What is good, everybody? I am your host, Ryan McDaniel, and this is the Views from the 573 Podcast, the last podcast of 2023 as we ring in a new year in a few short days. But we still got some things to talk about, namely the NFL heading down the home stretch with a lot of playoff positioning being had in these last two weeks. Still got to figure out who's who's going to be the number one seeds, who's going to have home field advantage, who's going to finish what, where and what, and who's going to play each other in the playoffs. We'll talk about that, including some big news out of Denver with Russell Wilson getting benched. We'll talk a little bit about that. And we'll also talk about college football as we got some of these bowl games wrapped up. Uh, probably went a lit, little... Uh, didn't check in on like when we would be able to do the podcast after Christmas. So should have been better on my part. But nonetheless, we still got a lot of bowl games to cover from these past few days. A lot of good ones. And then we got to talk about these next few games. We got the New Year's Six coming up. And we got the college football playoff semifinal games coming up on New Year's Day. It's going to be a blast. We're going to talk about them here shortly. But if you haven't yet, be sure to go check out the podcast where you guys get your podcast. Be sure to go follow us. Keep up with latest stuff for views and entertainment. Check out the YouTube channel at 573 Podcast and check out the Twitter account, X account, whatever you want to call it, at 573 Pods. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff for the new year. A lot of fun stuff I have in mind for both entertainment and views in the upcoming months. So you don't want to miss it. Lock in. Stay tuned with both those podcasts. Now, let's get into the big news of the week. And let's start with Russell Wilson getting benched in Denver for Jared Sidham here in these last couple weeks. Now, Denver still is in playoff positioning despite what happened on, what was it, Saturday, Sunday. They are still in playoff positioning, even by a smidge. They, They would need a lot of stuff to go their way but they're still in it. But now you got Jared Stidham taking the reins and Russell Wilson being the number two quarterback. I'll tell you what. It's kind of, I mean, we've seen our fair share of bad trades in history and NFL, NBA, MLB, whatever you want to call it. This does not look good from these two years. Of course, last year you had the whole debacle with Nathaniel Hackett and how that season went. You essentially had what Seattle's pick was number six last year, and they could have, I mean, Denver could have had that. You give up all that capital, and then you have this year, and it went pretty solid. Russ put up some solid stats, but they had a couple stumbling blocks here, namely at, at the start of the season and here recently. And now, Russ is probably going to be looking to be cut. And it's probably going to be in a couple months, going to be in March. But now you take a look at that trade, it's like, man, oh, man. Man, Seattle. (laughs) You know, credit to you. I mean, nobody could have seen this coming. But it's absolutely insane to think this is going to happen. So the details about this. and. Who knows? The Broncos, are, I don't think, will ever come out and say, like, hey, we did this for financial reasons. 
or we did this because we didn't like what Russ was giving us out in the field or stuff like that. But if you take a look at his contract, of course, huge contract. He's guaranteed $39 million for 2024. And then that $37 million more would kick in in injury guarantees. That would become fully guaranteed if he's still on the roster on the fifth day of the 2024 league year. That begins in March, so that's why it's probably going to be cut in March. So, again, we don't know if it's like uh, we don't want him to get hurt here, so, you know, we have to pay him a $37 million extra. But, man, this whole situation has not gone great. And now you can add Denver to the list of teams that needs a quarterback. We already know of a few. We know the Patriots are going to need one. Bears might need one, depending on what happens with Justin Fields, Vikings, if Kirk Cousins comes back or not. The Commanders, I don't know how sold they feel on Sam Howe after these last few weeks. Not been great. And there's other teams. Falcons probably could be another one. Maybe the Steelers aren't that comfortable with their quarterback situation. So, I mean... You can add, now add the Broncos to this list. But take a look at Russ. I mean, with how he's played this year, it's a different style of Russ that we've seen this year compared to his early Seattle years, where it's just matriculating the ball down the field instead of the whole letting Russ cook thing. And so now he's going to be, what, 35, 34, 35, finishing up his 12th year. And was, he's had a solid year, but he's not the guy he once was. He he is a solid starting caliber quarterback. I, I mean, I think you have to look at what Flacco's doing. He's like, okay, well, listen, there will still be a team out there that will say, let's go get Russ and, you know, maybe can put a Band-Aid on their quarterback situation for a year or two. And maybe so. And we'll have to see how the quarterback carousel breaks down and see if the Bears, what they want to do with Justin Fields, what the Patriots want to do, what the Commanders want to do, Giants, you know, you got the Daniel Jones injury. Do you want to go quarterback there? And so now you take a look at these spots, like where would Russ make the most sense? And I don't really know off the top of my head. I've seen Patriots floated out there, maybe the Raiders, but there would be a lot of situations that they would have to handle with Garoppolo on the roster and their salary and trying to figure out how to cut him and all that stuff. But, man, you take a look at this situation. It has not worked drastically. It, it has been a horrible move, I think, looking at it and looking at how much the Broncos gave up for him. They gave up two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and three more players like Noah Fant, uh, Shelby Harris. I forget who the other one was. They're now on Seattle, and now here's Russ, who is going to be on the outs here in a few months. It's crazy to think about, you know. And, you know, I think maybe at the time, I forget what we said about the trade, but that that is a lot to give up for Russell Wilson. And looking at it now, it's for sure a whole lot to give up for Russell Wilson with what he's given you over the last couple of years. 
And so now Sean Payne, he's going to go handpick his guy. I think his, like, a deal that he got with Denver does not, his five-year deal does not kick in until next year. And so he's going to be looking for his guy next year. And who is that going to be? Do they play into the quarterback mark in the draft? Do they look at, at some of these options that are out there, teams that are moving on? Maybe like, and Sean Payne's like, hey, let's go and get them. We'll have to see. But this situation has gotten, man, it to put it bluntly, it is not, it, it's been awful. Like, the return that Denver got from Ross has not been great. And now here they are where they were, you know, two, three years ago looking for another quarterback. They were hoping this was going to be another Peyton Manning situation, and it hasn't. And so now here they are back at square one and looking for another quarterback. And I don't know if Denver and Russ knew about all the stuff going on. That's been another thing haven't touched on. But, man, you wonder if Russ knew some of this stuff. If he did, man, oh, boy. But that's the big news coming out of Denver. Russell Wilson benched by the Broncos. Stidham starting these last two games. And Russ is going to be cut in March and looking for a new home. You know, I saw somebody float out, maybe a Seattle reunion. You know, that they could get rid of Geno if they want to, and that he could go back to Seattle. You know, Seattle, they still they got Lockett, Metcalf, uh, Jackson Smith, the Jigwa. They got Walker and Charbonnet. You know, maybe that could be a, a, another option. But, I mean, th- this whole situation, again, has been awful. Like, it's not been great. But, that uh, Russ... Not going to be playing in these last two games unless something happens to Stidham. In which case, it would be a really funny scenario if that happens and Russ is immediately thrown back in there. But he's going to be benched. He's going to be cut in March. So he's going to be looking for a new home. And the Broncos, they're going to be looking for a new quarterback. So let's look with the NFL and let's talk about Week 16. And I think we we did not pick that Patriots Broncos game, which, man, talk about the Patriots and Bill Belichick. You know, you got all these rumors about is this going to be Bill's final year there. And here they are. They get the win, and and they kind of screw up their draft positioning here. And you might not get one of the top two quarterbacks now in Caleb or Drake. So, uh, (laughs) I I don't know. Patriots, I mean, maybe this is all part of Bill's plan. I don't know. But we didn't pick that game. We did pick. Then other games, though, we picked Saints-Rams. Rams ended up getting the win in that one. Then we picked, and then we had Bengals-Steelers on Saturday with the Steelers getting the win, led by Mason Rudolph. And it, it's kind of poetic when you take a look at it. Mason Rudolph getting the win with Christmas approaching. I mean, again, it's, it's poetic. <laughs> and it happens. Um of of course, I don't think anybody could have seen him having that type of performance. But nonetheless, he did. And man, oh man, um, getting up the official stats here. Of course, Bengals they still they still have I think a, a chance to get in with being eight and seven. But I think we need a lot to happen. Jake Browning did throw for three thirty five, but was forced into three interceptions. 
And the Steelers are still somehow in the playoff race as well. We Mason Rudolph, 17-27, 290, two touchdowns. Probably the guy to talk about is George Pickens. Four catches, two touchdowns, 195 yards. Absolutely went off. And if you had him in fantasy, man, oh, man, I'm sure you were glad he finally chose this week to break out. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to have a game where I had two touchdowns on four catches and go for nearly 200 yards receiving. So I'm sure all of you that had him in fantasy were uh, pretty happy that you had him. If you started him this week, if you benched him, uh, oof, that, that's a tough look. <laughs> but uh, George Pickens, Mason Rudolph, the connection there, they get the win. They get to 8-7. and seven. And they again, there's them Bengals. They're still in this playoff race. They're not out of it by a long shot, but they need a lot of stuff to happen. Then we got the Seahawks and the Titans, but the Seahawks pulling out a comeback victory at the end there against the Titans. And Titans, they found themselves up here. You got Ryan Tannehill starting, and the Seahawks towards the end there. Get another close win, two close wins in less than a week with Seattle going 53 yards and 14 plays, getting a game-winning drive, winning 20-17 to 17 with the last-minute touchdown with Geno leading the way to keep Seattle in the NFC playoff race and the Titans falling to 5-10. and 10. So thankfully, I did not screw this Titans pickup. I, I knew where I was going with this one. So... Gino and the Seahawks get another clutch win here in the last few moments of a game and get to be in this NFC playoff picture for at least one more week. Still a lot to figure out here as they are 8-7. and seven, They get to 8-7 and seven and look forward to the next couple weeks. Then we got Falcons and Colts. And went with the Colts on this one, but the Falcons, you know, they're, the Falcons quarterback situation, you know, they're obviously going to be on a list of teams that will need quarterbacks this year, but you've had Desmond Ritter come in and win a couple games, and then they go like, let's go to Heineke, and then here comes Heineke, and he does well for a couple moments. And that's what happened here. And you know what also happened? The Falcons' defense happened in this one. Sacking Gardner Minshew six times, forcing him into an interception. They got some big-time six sacks, eight tackles for losses. You got 11 hits on Minshew as well. Yeah, Calais Campbell having one half sex. That dude is still playing and he's still balling out, man. <laughs> so Falcons, they're still in this playoff race. They went 29 to 10. Thing need to mention here, the whole AFC South lost this weekend. Every team lost. Colts, Titans, Jags, Texans. Everybody lost. So Texans, Jags, and the Colts, they're still in that uh they're still in that three-team and three-way tie for the top of the AFC South, in which you got some teams playing each other here in the last couple weeks in that division that are going to be big-time games going forward. And, yeah, it's just like, well, and you take a look at it, the close, the closest game was, I, I think the closest game was the Seahawks-Steins game. Every other game, it was multiple scores. Uh, Falcons nearly winning by three touchdowns. The Bucks winning by 18 over the Jags. And then you got the Browns being the Texans at home by 14. Now, Titans Seahawks game was the closest one out of those, but uh, every team lost in, in that division. So we'll have to see what happens this week. But Indy, not a good week from them. 
And the Falcons, they're still in the thick of the NFC playoff race as things are heating up. Next up, we got Lions and Vikings. Guys, the Lions have done it. They have won the NFC North for the first time, and they've won a division for the first time in 30 years. Meaning, for those of you that are 30 and under, we have now witnessed history. We have seen something that has not been done. <laughs> we have seen something that hasn't been done in our lifetimes, and that is the Lions winning their division. And I'm happy for them. I'm happy for the Lions. We talked about them a whole lot this year and how good they've been, and they got a big game against Dallas this week. So I'm thankful they wrapped up the division already, got their 11th win of the season, and got this division win over the Vikings to no less clinch the division. I think that's how you would prefer it, to clinch the division over a division rival. But the Lions finally did it. They finally clinched the division in 30 years. And just seeing how everybody's reacting, Taylor Decker, who's been there eight years, been through a lot of highs and lows, and he now gets to win and be a part of a winning team. And he had Jared Goff doing all this stuff for him. Man, I, I, again, I can't be more happy for the Lions. And they're going to host a playoff game. With this win, they're going to host a playoff game here in a couple weeks. So you know the Motor City, without things are going with the Pistons, you know they're going to be amped up for this one. <laughs> you know, things are not going great. Other with Detroit basketball, but with football, it, you know, you got Michigan in the playoff and you got the Lions here. So, yeah, things are going good as far as the football side is concerned. So, Lions, they win the division for the first time in 30 years. They're hosting their first playoff game since 1994 and will be looking to get their first postseason win since 1991. So, a lot of big time stuff here. And you got to salute and tip the hat to Dan Campbell. What, looking back at how they ended last year on a tear, they went 8-2 in those last few games. And you look at the record over their last 25, they're 19-6. and six. So, I mean, just an incredible job by that staff and what they've done. And, yes, congrats again to the Lions for doing this and getting the win over the Vikings where you got Nick Mullins, throwing ducks there at the end, just making like YOLO throws and just like, let's see how this works. But the Lions get the win there, get the division as they beat the Vikings 30-24. So congrats to them. Now let's take a look at the next one. Browns at Texans. Man, old man Joe is still slinging it. it he's Old man Joe is still slinging it, still doing good. And he had another great game in this one against the Texans. Of course, the Texans were without C.J. Stroud again in this one. So you kind of figured, okay, well, you know, the Texans got the win with Case Keenum the week before. So let's see what happens. But uh, Texans, they end up losing by 14 at home to the Browns. Joe Flacco, an awesome day for him, going for 368. Did have a couple picks, threw for three touchdowns. Probably the name to talk about is Amari Cooper. 11 catches, 265, and two touchdowns. Now, I know there's somebody out there in fantasy that had Cooper and George Pickens on their team. 
And hopefully there's somebody out there that did start them. If you did, man, <laughs> talk about a, a week to have, whether you're in your championship week or if you're semi, you're in your semifinal, man, talk about a week to have. But the Browns, they keep on rolling along with Joe Flacco. Now the next one up, another AFC South opponent, Jaguars going to the Buccaneers. And guys, it looks like Tampa's probably going to host a playoff game if they can lock down the division. Without their playing, without Baker's playing, they're looking strong. And at the right time, too. Baker, another good game out of him. 26 to 35, 283, two touchdowns, finding Mike Evans twice in the end zone and getting the 30 to 12 win. Now, Trevor Lawrence did get banged up in this one. What we'll CV is going to be good to go this week? And if not, it's going to be CJ Beathard. But it, and if that's the case, might not be a good thing for Jaguars fans. But the Buccaneers, they got to the Jags quarterback four times, got five hits on them, five tackles for loss. They created a lot of plays, including a couple fumbles, got a couple interceptions from Lawrence. So this Tampa Bay team is playing really good football at the right time. And particularly Baker, again, just he's been having a good December. And I think you got to take that into account when you think about the Bucs. They're going to, if they lock this division down, then they're going to be hosting a playoff game. And that could be big for. Baker and they would be hosting the five seed and right now it's probably the Cowboys and we know about the Cowboys struggles on the road just saying so Buccaneers they get the win there 30 to 12 over the Jaguars then we got our big Sunday game we only did two of the Christmas games but our big Sunday game with the Cowboys at Dolphins and, you know, I didn't mean to make that a segue about the Cowboys, but I guess I, I did. But the Cowboys losing to Miami. And once again, the doors open for the Eagles and the NFC East. And it looks like we're not going to get any clear confirmation. Probably We'll probably get some confirmation this week if the Cowboys are able to take care of their business at home. That It's a home game against the Lions. But the Eagles, they got... Cardinals this week and the Giants. So they might have just opened the door for the Eagles ever so slightly to go in and get this division back in their control. But the Cowboys, man, that you talk about this game, you know, I, I kind of expected the Dolphins defense offense to run on them, take a lot of that Buffalo Bills blueprint from the week four. And they, they actually didn't. I mean, you take a look at the box score and the Dolphins in their running game. Mostert only had 46 yards. And then what? A-Chain, he only had 24. They only had 91 yards total rushing. Now, Dallas's rushing game didn't do any better with 97, but they were able to hold them. And their run defense has been under scrutiny here the last few weeks. So they did a good job of shutting down this Miami running game. But you take a look at how much time they left on the clock there at the end. They left too much time there for this offense to drive down there and get the game-winning field goal by Sanders there late. They just left too much time there at the end for the Dolphins to go and win this game. And that's what happened. Dallas falls short again on the road. 
they were up and they played pretty decently. But Tua was able to lead that Miami defense down, uh, the Miami offense down there to get the game winning field goal. And we talked about the narratives, which one was going to be shut up this week. And right now, it looks like the Miami narrative of them not beating good teams. That's, we can shut up about that for at least a week. Now, they got the, the Ravens this week, so we'll see if we have to shut up about that for another week. But at least for now, we can shut up about the Dolphins narrative, about them not beating good teams. They beat a good team and the Cowboys. And yes, we know how bad the Cowboys have been on the road, but the Cowboys are still a good team, even though they're a different team away from Jerry World. That's still a good team down there in Dallas. And so they took care of business. And they got their win here. Now they got a big-time AFC matchup with the Ravens, really for that one seed. And it's going to be in Baltimore. So Miami, we'll see what they can bring to Baltimore. And we'll see about Tyreek. And I know Waddle got a little bit banged up. But we'll see what happens with the Dolphins. But they shut up that narrative for at least a week. So for them, that's big time. And now the Cowboys... They're 10 and 5, and again, they're looking at that fifth seed. And I think you're hoping that the Eagles will drop at least one of these games. That maybe Kyler has a big game against the Eagles. That maybe the Giants are able to beat the Eagles. And I believe that game is at, at the Giants' home stadium. So maybe. Maybe it's Tyrod or maybe it's DeVito, maybe whoever's the quarterback there. Maybe they uh, help the Cowboys out. But right now, the Cowboys are going to need some help here if they want to get the division under their control. Because right now, it's looked like it's in Phillies. Them getting the win over the Giants just barely. You get a couple fluke plays there by the Giants. But now, Eagles looking like they got the division right now, and Cowboys just got to hope for a loss. And we didn't pick this one. Raiders and Chiefs. Man, oh, man. <laughs> you, you want to talk about a weird game. You know, you, you look at this game. The Chiefs held the Raiders to six points on offense. And Aiden O'Connell did not throw a pass after the first quarter. And they still lost. This is crazy to me. This is absolutely crazy. I don't think we would have seen. We would have thought that we would see on Christmas Day the Raiders going to Arrowhead and really control that game for the most part. And they didn't have Josh Jacobs either, and Devontae didn't have that big of a game either. That Raiders defense came to play. They played a physical brand of football. That's kind of what you think about with the Raiders and think about their history. And you got to. Tip your hat to Antonio Pearson when he's done. He's really making himself a case for that head coaching job. Now, I don't know if Mark Davis will do it, but he's really making the case. And I think getting a win at Arrowhead at this time of year, and they're still in the playoff hunt, they can make a pretty good case for him to keep that job. But, man, if you're the Chiefs, again, your defense did their part. They held, You held them to six points. They did not throw a pass on you after the first quarter. It's kind of like Michigan and oh, Michigan and 
what, Penn State, I, I believe it was the game where Michigan just had like 30 straight runs. So like, it, it's kind of like what happened here. The Raiders were able to do what Michigan did and got the win. I, it's crazy to think that we've had two similar types of games like this this year in di in different leagues. So it, it's crazy to me, but we didn't pick that game and kind of glad we didn't. Uh, oh, well, actually, yeah, we did. We did pick that game, but I don't know. What, man, I think my mind is still on Christmas Day. So uh, never mind that. Ravens at 49ers, though. Guys, I think Lamar is in front of this MVP race, particularly after what happened in this one. They heard all the noise, all the disrespect. The 49ers were five-point favorites, and they went into their stadium and smacked them, particularly in that second half. Like, I remember that second half, taking a look at it, and looking at this box score. They in the third quarter, seventeen points. They shut out the Niners in that quarter, and it was sixteen to twelve at that point. And then here comes the third quarter, and they blow the doors off them. They pick off Brock four times. I believe Trent Williams had to go out for a, a few possessions, so that's going to hurt. He had some other guys on that San Francisco offense line go down. And you got Sam Darnold here making plays <laughs> coming in. But this Ravens team, you know, they have lost a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys that are down, particularly in their running game and their receiving group. No Mark Andrews, but you still have guys coming in and giving them plays, giving them good plays on these possessions. Zay Flowers, likely. You got Bateman making a huge play. You got Odell occasionally coming in there. You got Aguilar catching a touchdown in this game. He didn't drop it, everybody. <laughs> but you got all these guys coming in here, and they're producing. And they got to Brock a lot of times. They got a, nine hits on him, four sacks, including a couple from Brent Urban. You got one from Van Noy, one from Clowney. Clowney had an impactful second half. He was all over the place. I was like, where was that a few years ago <laughs> in Nashville? But these guys are coming in there and they make plays and I could feel the disrespect. And you take a look at these four interceptions from Purdy. Like one was just a great defensive play from the Ravens. And I think there's another play that was kind of like that. The first one was a little bit late and Hamilton made a perfect read on the ball. And I think another one was just a deflection as well. You throw it across your body, and you're told not to do that. Sometimes good things happen, but more often than not, sometimes bad things happen. Things like, oh, yeah, hitting a receiver right in the chest, it bouncing off, and it getting picked off. Uh, McCaffrey did have a good game. He did go over 100 yards, so that wasn't the problem. But, man, Brock probably killed his MVP case right here. And Lamar helped his MVP case here. He's had a good season, even though the stats aren't what they were in the season he won his first MVP. I think he's probably got it, if I'm being honest. And if he wins against Miami this week and he has a good game, if it 
wasn't 99% locked in this week, it will be if he wins and has a good game against Miami. Now, if he doesn't, then maybe the door is open a little bit more. Maybe Tua finds his way in it. If he has a good game against the Dolphins, against the Ravens defense, maybe Dak finds his way back in. Or maybe McCaffrey. I don't know. Or Tyreek. You know, it's a wide open race. But right now, I think Lamar has cemented himself as the favorite right now. And I think that Ravens Dolphins game is going to be for positioning for the MVP. Can Tua find his way on top of that list? Or can Lamar really clinch it in the second to last week of the season? So that is week 16 in the books. And let's talk about week 17, starting with the game tonight with the Jets going on the road to Cleveland, the final Thursday night game of the season. And we talked about Flacco. Let's put to put this in perspective right now. He's leading the NFL with 326 passing yards per game. And over 10% of those have been at least 20 yards downfield. So the Cleveland offense is different now. You can see you consider the guys they've lost, like Chubb, yeah, a couple and a couple other guys on the offense. And here they are, and they're looking really good. And you got Amari Cooper. Showing like, hey, like just throw the ball downfield to me. I can go grab it. And the Browns defense, they've also been a catalyst here. And they've had a couple bumps here in the last several weeks. But for the most part this season, they've been awesome. And you got the Jets coming in. Not a good offensive line. Don't really know about the quarterback situation. So this could be a game for the Cleveland defense to pin the ears back and go after the quarterback here. And for Flacco, this is probably going to be his most difficult test as far as defense is concerned with how good the Jets' secondary is. But I think he's able to get it done with how this team is playing right now. The Browns are playing at a really high level. It's amazing, it, you know, with again Flacco coming in here and doing this, it's really amazing to see. But I got the Browns winning this one. I think they do create pressure on this Jets offense, and Flacco does make a couple big time plays downfield. So I will take the Browns here to get the win at home, get to eleven and five, and have a chance to get a twelve win season here. When you probably thought the Sean Watson goes down, the season's done. Uh uh. Here comes old man Joe. Then we got the Saturday game. Lions at Cowboys. Now, the Lions, they've gotten pretty much things wrapped up as far as their division is concerned. We've already talked about that. But there's still seeding to be concerned about. That's what the Lions are playing for right now. And also, a road win at Dallas would be huge for them, considering if they don't get one of those top seeds, if they don't get the number two seed, or if they and they don't get the one seed, then they're going to be playing on the road after that home playoff game that they're going to start off with. So this could be a good test for them to go on the road against a, a really good NFC opponent and go and knock them off at their home stadium. But again, Dallas at home is a different animal. We've seen it before. They've been amazing at Jerry World. 
And that's where this game is at. Now, if it was at Detroit, eh, I'm probably a little bit worried about it. But I feel somewhat confident in Dallas to be able to get themselves back here at home and try to see if they can survive here and get themselves in that NFC East race and see if they can su shut down this Lions run game. Montgomery and Gibbs have done a really good job here the last couple of weeks. So I'll take the Cowboys here, but the Lions, they got seating on the line. They got a lot left to play for despite w winning their division. They still got a lot left to play for. They don't know what's going to happen these last couple of weeks. Who knows? Maybe Philly drops one to Arizona. Maybe San Francisco drops one to Washington this week. Who knows? Anything can happen in the NFL. But I'm going to take the Cowboys here. And I think they get their 11th win this week. And we'll have to see what happens with that NFC East race. But I think, you know, it's tough not to pick the Cowboys at home. They're a different team there. I'll take the Cowboys at home on Saturday. Titans at Texans. It looks like Stroud is going to play in this matchup with these two teams after missing the first one. And also, he's really good at home. Texans are pretty good at home. And he's going to have a lot of his guys besides Tank Dale back there, it looks like. It's going to be a matchup between two rookie quarterbacks. Stroud, Levis, going to be exciting to see. I'm going to take the Texans. Having Stroud back, I think, will definitely help. They still got a lot left to play for. They don't know what's going to happen with the AFC South teams. You know, Indy's got the Raiders this week. And then the Jags, I forget who the Jags have this week. But there's still a lot left to play for. Stroud, I think, have, has a good game against a overall a poor Titans secondary. He's got Collins and Noah Brown back. I think he's going to be fine. I think the Texans, they get the win. And honestly, at this point in the season, I'm rooting for the Titans to lose. A few weeks ago, I was kind of on the fence about it. I was like, should I or should I not? But now I'm like, just lose. We're in the final weeks of the season. Just lose, lose, lose. Let's get trap positioning. Let's get a blue chip prospect. All right. I'm, they kind of give you guys a preview. I kind of want to talk about the draft a whole lot more next year. So maybe that could be something you can look for on the podcast next year. And so maybe it's because the Titans are going to have a top 10 pick and there's a lot of good prospects that they could choose from. Maybe that's the reason. I don't know. Now let's talk about the Falcons and Bears. Talking about a Bears team that has played some good football here these last few weeks. And Fields is playing for him to stay in Chicago or playing for a job somewhere else next year. Maybe it's Atlanta. Maybe it's the Patriots or somewhere else. But so far, he's done a really good job here. And the Falcons, they're not great against rushing quarterbacks like Justin Fields. And that can maybe make the case for the Bears here to get the win here at home. Now, and you take a look at the Falcons last week, did really well on the tribes. Didn't mention this stat, though, but against Indy, they scored points on a season-high 70% rate of a tribes, 7 out of 10. But I think it's going to be tougher this week with 
how well this Bears defense has really evolved since getting Montez Sweat and limiting yards that their opponents have. I'm going to say, I think I'm going to take the Bears and win it. I think Fields has got, again, has got a lot to play for here. And I think he's going to win. And plus, again, with the Falcons quarterback situation, one week Heineke may be playing well, then the next week, like, he sucks, and then here comes Ritter and he plays well. So it's just like a, a revolving door at quarterback for them. So I'm going to take the Bears here. And I'm kind of surprised I am, but I'm going to roll with them. And maybe Atlanta, they come out of this game, is like, hey, you know what? Let's go out and get Fields. He'd work great with this offense. You know, you get him, Bijan, Kyle Pitts, Drake London. Those are some solid weapons. It might be more than what he has in Chicago right now. So, eh, maybe there you go. All right, next one up, Raiders at Colts. And now, going back to the Titans real quick, I'm going to be keeping a close eye on this one because rooting interests and draft order reasoning, I'm going to be pulling for the Raiders to win in this one. (laughs) I mean, I'd probably be pulling for them to win this one because it's against an AFC South team. But for that reason, I do want the Raiders to win. Now, you take a look at this Raiders defense. They had two defensive touchdowns against the Chiefs last week. I do think they will throw more passes after the first quarter this week than they did last week. I think you kind of have to. We'll also see if Josh Jacobs, if he's going to be back next week. And I think they can force Gardner Minshew into some mistakes. I That Raiders defense is playing team ball. I think I'm going to go with the Raiders here for this one. I really like what they've done, so give me the Raiders. Okay, next one up, we got the Saints going on the road against the Buccaneers. They still have a shot here. Bucks, they could really use this one against a divisional opponent. And Baker, again, has been playing phenomenal football. If honestly, if it wasn't for Flacco, he it probably be he would probably be the story right now. Three and zero. With eight touchdowns and no interceptions in his last three games, Tampa Bay defense has been really good too, forcing a lot of turnovers here in the last few weeks. If the Saints lose this one, they're done. They're out. And it would be the perfect opportunity for the defense and Derek Carr to stand up and it's like, let's get rid of Tampa Bay's chances here in the last couple weeks here. But the Buccaneers are on a roll. They've won four straight with Baker having three awesome games. But on the other side, the Saints have had their number in recent history at home, losing four or five in their home stadium. And the Saints are going to be rested after playing last Thursday. So they're going to have some time off. But I think I'm going to take the Bucs. I think the Bucs keep on rolling. I like what they've done here. Baker's done really well, so I will go and take the Bucks. Now, the big game of the week, Dolphins-Ravens. Again, I think this MVP race is going to be determined in this game. Lamar or Tua? If Tua wins this one, he'll, have a, he'll be a little bit in front of this race, and then you got one more week, and then we'll see what happens. 
But I think if Lamar wins it this week, again, he's going – I think it's going to go way up, and I think he's going to be like, okay, he's going to win it. We got our MVP. It is going to be him. You look at how this Ravens team has played with them losing some guys here. They have done really well this year. And for the Dolphins, it's another week to try to shut everybody off. It's like, hey, you say we can't be good teams. Well, we got a good AFC team here. We're going to their place. We're basically battling it out for the one seed in the AFC. You got a shot here to really shut everybody up here. But the Dolphins situation at with the offense line, I don't know how healthy they are this week. You know, Waddle, again, is a little bit banged up. Tyreek, I feel like, is still recovering from the injury he got a few weeks ago against Tennessee. I like the Ravens in this one. I like the Ravens. I think they lock up the AFC here. And I think Lamar locks up the, the MVP here. I think he does. And I think this is going to be this is going to be clearly the best game of the week, just looking at it on paper. But I think it will be the overall best game of the week once everything gets said and done. But I am going with the Ravens here. After I went against them last week, I am not going against them this week. I think they lock it up. The AFC, the MVP, I think it's all done. Next up, Steelers going to Seattle. Let's see who plays, if it's going to be Kenny Pickett or if it's going to be Mason Rudolph. And I don't expect Mason Rudolph to put up those kinds of stats that he did last week. I just don't see how he's going to be able to pull off for a second straight week. It's not going to be Christmas next week. So maybe by that default fact, I'm going with Seattle. Um, I think Geno has made some really good plays here. Recently, Drew Locke and like whoever it's been, the Seattle's been really clutch here these last couple weeks. I think they do win this one. They're still in the heat of this playoff race. So I'm going with the Seahawks. And we'll kind of go over some details here with the playoff race as it stands. And uh, we'll probably cut a little bit of time in, like, in, in recapping the bowl games, but we'll really spend a lot of time in talking about the New Year's Six and the semifinals and all that stuff. Bengals going to the road on at Kansas City. Man, uh, Chiefs need this one. Get the 10 wins. And you saw Browning has kind of come back down to, uh, down to earth here. And again, this Chiefs defense has been one of the lone bright spots here in recent weeks. You saw what they did with that Raiders offense. And I think they do just enough. I, I do think the Chiefs make enough plays on offense, even though they've had their issues. They do just enough. And this is going to be a close one. But I think I'm going to just take the Chiefs and Mahomes to win this one. They're going to win their division. But they are going to be going on the road in the playoffs here for at least one game. That is, if they win their first-round game. Next up, Packers-Vikings Sunday night game. Looking at this one, both these teams, I think, need this one to stick it in in the playoff race. Aaron Jones coming off his first 100-yard game of the season, first once since week 16 of last year. Packers are playing consecutive road games. It's going to be a challenge for them. 
This Minnesota defense has struggled lately. Maybe Jordan Love and his young group of weapons can make some plays against this struggling Vikings defense. And TJ Hawkinson, Vikings offense has really taken a hit. And so if Justin Jefferson's not playing, then you got him playing now, and now it's TJ Hawkinson. So, yeah, it's going to be rough. I think I'm going to take the Packers. As long as Nick Mullins is throwing just straight-up hospital balls up there, I even though against this Packers defense, it's one of the worst in the league, I am going to take the Packers. I think they stay alive in this one. Now, taking a look at some of these playoff implications and taking a look at what things look like in Week 17, Let's start off in the, in the NFC. San Fran right now is the one seed. Eagles two seed. Lions three seed. Tampa four seed. And then you got Dallas five. Rams six. Seattle seven. And then you got the Vikings, Packers, Saints, Falcons. And the Bears somehow still in the hunt. And so you take a look at week 17 for everybody else here. If the Niners beat Washington, then they clinched the number one seed in the conference, home field managed throughout the NFC side of the playoffs They with a win and losses by both the Lions and the Eagles. And Philly can clinch the NFC East with a win and a Dallas loss. Buccaneers clinch the South with, they clinch the NFC South with a home win over the Saints. And they can also clinch the division title if Atlanta loses to Chicago or if there and if there's a tie between the Bucks and the Saints. And then the Rams can clinch a berth if they beat the Giants on the road this week and the Seahawks lose to the Steelers at home. And Seattle can clinch a spot if they win and there's a tie between Green Bay and the Vikings. Now for the AFC side of things, Ravens one seed, Dolphins two seed, Chiefs three seed, Jaguars four seed. Then you got the Browns at number five. You got the Bills at number six. And then you got the Colts at number seven. That's what it would look like right now. Then you got Texans, Bengals, Steelers, Raiders, Broncos in the hunt. And so, obviously, if the Ravens win this week, they clinch the AFC's number one seed. And they could honestly be AFC North champions by that time if the Browns lose to the Jets tonight. Dolphins, they clinch the AFC East with with the win at Baltimore or Buffalo loss to New England. And then the Bills can clinch a playoff berth with a win again, help via other teams losing. The Chiefs clinch an AFC West title with the home win over the Bengals. Or it could also clinch if Vegas and Denver both lose that day. I'm honestly surprised that it's still not locked up, but whatever. The only way the AFC AFC South race will be decided this week is if Jaguars win against the Panthers and both the Colts and the Texans lose. If that happens, then the Jaguars win the division. They get the South. And Browns, they can clinch a playoff berth with a win over the Jets or lost by any of the Steelers, Bills, or Jags. They could also get it if both Indy or the Texans lose. So, 
still a lot of stuff going on here with, with all these seedings happening and a lot of people a lot of these teams are going to be keeping an eye on the scores and on their TVs this week with how that happens there's still a lot of divisions up for play so we will see what happens all right now let's go to some college football and let's talk about some of these bowl games again a little bit more than we thought yeah probably overplayed my hand here with Christmas and when we were going to pod let's talk about them so far not too bad as far as these last few games here happening here after Christmas not too bad but uh starting from the December 21st bowl games USF USF gets a win over Syracuse Georgia Tech beats UCF and then Arkansas State loses controversially at the end there against Northern Illinois. Duke takes care of Troy. Air Force probably should have went roll with them. It's the Armed Forces Bowl. So they beat James Madison. Utah State loses to Georgia State. South Alabama crushes Eastern Michigan. Also gets into a brawl there at the end that turned ugly there. Northwestern beat Utah and then... San Jose State lost to Coastal Carolina. So a couple surprising results here that uh, I did not think would happen. So as far as those games, not that great. Only got three of them right, but I think looking at the week before, it's one game better. So improvement. How taking a look at what's happened here these last few days, Minnesota, the only team under 500 playing in bowl season right now. They beat Bowling Green. Texas State gets the win over Rice. Kansas, UNLV, that was a high-scoring game, I, I think, like we all thought. Kansas gets a win. Virginia Tech beats Tulane, so they take down an 11-win team. West Virginia, West Virginia and North Carolina play, and West Virginia gets a win. USC gets a big win over Louisville with everything that's happened with USC over the last few weeks. Miller Moss, he got himself a chance this week, and he took it and run with it. I believe he had six touchdowns in this game, so what an audition for him for next year. And then last night, Texas A&M losing to Oklahoma State. Texas A&M going through a lot of stuff with the portal, new coaching staff, all that stuff. And then I think we got a couple games today, later today, with SMU and playing – I believe, oh, who is that? SMU is playing Boston College at Fenway. You got Rutgers playing against Miami. Also, a little bit later. In fact, that's right now. As a matter of fact, that also SMU and Boston College have already played, and Boston College has won that. So, mark another one wrong right there. <laughs> so, not that great there. But taking a look at right now, Rutgers is winning. 7-0 as of right now. Then you got NC State, Kansas State later on. And then you got Arizona and Oklahoma later today. So both those two games, I think, should be really fun. I have time. NC State, Kansas State playing in the Camping World Stadium Bowl. And, or, play, yeah, Pop-Tarts Bowl, rather. So Pop-Tarts galore there. And then the Alamo Bowl, Arizona, and Oklahoma. So with those two games later today, I am going to go... I I'm going to roll with NC... State, I think, to win that one uh, with NC State 
little bit of a better record here than Kansas State. Kansas State going to be without Will Howard, who is in the transfer portal. So you're going to have Avery Johnson there at quarterback for Kansas State. Even though NC State's going to be without a few guys, I'm going to take it, the Wolf Pack here to get the win for the ACC. So give me the Wolf Pack. And then in this one between Arizona, Oklahoma, should be a fun game. It's also going to be an audition for Jackson Arnold, the young freshman quarterback, who is probably going to be the starter next year. It's going to be a big time game for him and trying to get you know his feet wet and playing in a big time game. And Arizona, they have a chance to get a 10 win season here and getting it against Oklahoma. I think I'm going to take the Wildcats here. I think I am. I, I'm going to take the Wildcats here. I think they get their 10th win of the season. Arizona's been such a good story this year. I'm going to go and take the Wildcats here to get the win. Next up, Tax Slayer Gator Bowl between Clemson and Kentucky. 8-4 and four versus 7-5. and five. Kentucky doing work in the portal. Clemson, he's going to have a couple players play in this game as well as Kentucky. Going to be without a couple big pieces in their secondary. I think I'm going to take Clemson. Clemson's been hot here at the end of the season. I'm going to take them to beat Kentucky and get to nine wins. It's been a rough season for Clemson. I think they finish it off strong. They get a win here and get the nine wins. Next up, we have Oregon State versus Notre Dame. Oregon State losing some pieces here. Notre Dame. Same thing with them as well. Oregon State, though, I think they've lost just a little bit too many pieces here. Obviously, they're going to have a new coaching staff in place, too. I think I'm going to take Notre Dame to win this one, even though Oregon State might be more invested in winning this game against a power brand like Notre Dame. I think I'm going to take the Fighting Irish to get the win here. Next one up, we got Memphis playing in the Liberty Bowl versus Iowa State. And yeah, I probably Memphis. I, I think this one is easy for me to pick. It's a it's a home game for Memphis. And despite how well Iowa State has played, I think I'm gonna take the Tigers here to win this one, win at home, and get. The 10 wins as well. They're 9-3 they're right now, so I think they get to 10 wins. Mizzou versus Ohio State. Ohio State, quarterback situation, a little bit tricky with McCord in the portal. It's probably going to be Devin Brown. Mizzou, you're going to have a lot of your players in place for this one and looking to win this one in a New Year's Six Bowl game setting against a power brand like Ohio State. This could be big-time momentum heading for Mizzou in this one. And don't know about a couple pieces for Ohio State. I don't know if Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to play in this game or Trayvon Henderson is going to play in this game. So there's still a couple pieces up in the air. I think Mizzou gets it done. I, You know what? I'm going to take Mizzou to win this one. I think it's going to be a close one because it is going to be Ohio State. But I'm going to take Mizzou here to win this New Year's Six bowl game. Next one up, we got Penn State, Ole Miss. Offense versus defensive battle here, everybody. 
And no, Ole Miss cannot use all their new transfer portal additions in this game. <laughs> Probably wish they could, but they can't. So looking at this one, I think Michigan, I, I think I got my mind on Michigan right now. Ole Miss, Penn State. I think I like Ole Miss in this one. I think I like their offense more in this one, although that Penn State defense is going to be frisky in this one. They have been frisky all year long. I think I'm going to take the Rebels. I think Ole Miss has got a lot of momentum right now, not just in the portal, but I think they got some momentum heading into next year, and they're going to use this one to build off some of that and take it into next year to be like, hey, we need to be considered to be among the SEC's best next year. And speaking of a team in the SEC, Auburn taking on Maryland. Talia Tungavaloa not playing in this game, so he's going to be sitting out. Auburn, I'd like to think, has a lot to play for. Or is Talia Tungavaloa playing in this game? I don't know. I think last time I checked, I saw he wasn't. But let's do a double check on that one. See if he is playing in this one. And yeah, he opts out the music seat bowl. Okay. So it does look like he's not playing in this one. I think I'm going to take Auburn in this one. And they're going to use this one for momentum too. And get Hugh Freeze over 500 in his first season at Auburn. Georgia, Florida State, over 40 or so players are not playing in this game for both these teams combined. Florida State missing a lot of players. Georgia missing a lot of players too. But Georgia, they got the better roster. It's really like who wants to play in this game, honestly, with these two teams. Uh, I'm going to take Georgia here to win this one. Probably the least interested in a New Year's Six Bowl game as I'll be this year with everything surrounding these two right now. So I'm going to take Georgia here to win big time. They still got the better roster. Next one up, we got Toledo versus Wyoming. Toledo, 11-2. Wyoming, 8-4. And, and Toledo losing their star quarterback, Daquan Finn, to the portal. Big blow to their offense. Head coach Jason Cannell doesn't have a good bowl track record. Who's 2-4. And, and Wyoming, they're playing for their head coach, Craig Bowl who's going to be retiring after the end of the season. I think they go out and win one for their coach one last time. I will take Wyoming here to get the win. Next one up, we got Wisconsin taking on LSU. And this one's going to be in the Reliquest Bowl. And LSU, a lot of their guys are going to be opting out. Jane Daniels, I assume Malik Neighbors, is going to be opting out as well. And even though they got a lot of guys opting out, I still like LSU in this one. Even though, with all their guys sitting out, still better team than Wisconsin. Give me the Tigers here to win this one and get to 10 wins. Next one up, the one I'm looking forward to now more than I thought I was, Tennessee versus Iowa. I think it will be a low-scoring game. Well, I'm more excited about this game because first big-time action against a top defense for five-star quarterback, freshman Nico Iamaliava. 
You're probably wondering, Ryan, we know you butcher names here on this ch- on this podcast. How are you able to pronounce that? Hey, <laughs> first five-star quarterback in a while. Kind of want to. Going to be a big-time environment for him. Tennessee also has a lot of opt-outs. This one's going to be low-scoring, but I do think Tennessee does just enough to get the win. And it's going to, There's going to be a lot of young players for Tennessee playing this one, sort of like an audition for next year and build up some confidence heading into next year. So I will take Tennessee here, and, man, I'm excited to see the five-star freshman. I've been excited to see him. Uh, I got a close-up look at him in the first game of the season. saw a couple things I liked, and we'll see what happens uh, in this one against a really good Iowa defense. I gave Michigan some trouble. Next one up, Liberty versus Oregon. Liberty 13-0, Oregon 11-2. Oregon's guys are going to play Bo Nix is going to play. And Liberty, they've been a good story this year, 13-0. But I think Oregon, with some of their guys that are playing in this one, I think Oregon rolls in this one, and they get the win here. They get the 12 wins. So I think Oregon wins the Fiesta Bowl. Now we're going to spend a little bit more time on the CFP semifinal games because you kind of got to. These are the big games. These are games that we have been waiting for all season long. And we got a good we got a couple good ones here. Michigan, Bama, Washington, Texas. Let's start with the first one of the day. It's gonna be the Rose Bowl. Michigan versus Alabama. And Michigan is a small favorite in this one. And you take a look at this game, there's a lot of headlines taking consideration, particularly the coaches, there's a lot of stuff going on with Tarball. He's only been on the sideline for a handful of games this year. But there's potential NFL chatter. Saban, you know, if he wins this one, he wins the championship. Could he call it quits? Now, it probably won't happen, but at least got to throw the question out there. We got those questions surrounding those coaches. And if you're looking at these two games, this one's going to be the low-scoring of the two, I believe. It's going to be a game where you're going to want to limit possessions and try to keep the ball away from the other teams, and you're going to rely on your defense to make some stops against these offenses. Alabama, they need to be more successful against the run game, especially running the ball against this stout Michigan defense. It's going to be tough. And for Michigan, same thing. Michigan, they're losing. They don't have a couple pieces on the offensive line. Zach Zender, he's gone for the year. Against Iowa, they struggled running the ball. So, Corm and Donovan Edwards, they're going to need to have big days against this Alabama front seven, who has really picked up their play here recently. If they're able to stop the run game, Michigan's got to be able to pass. And can you make McCarthy? Throw it if the run game doesn't work. And can you put them in pass pro situations? Now, we saw it a couple times in, against Iowa. And we saw it against Penn State where they ran, ran it thir- over 30 times. Maybe they can do that here. And Bama has the pass rushers to do it. Talis Turner, Chris Braswell, they got guys that can go and get the quarterback. So maybe you can affect McCarthy that way. And then looking at Michigan's defense, Jalen Milrow. They haven't faced a quarterback like him all season long. And you cannot let him beat you with his legs. 
You have to make him go in the direction you want him to go, not the direction he wants to go. If you're able to keep him in the pocket, that can really help you out. Now, it's not to say he won't be able to make plays. We've seen him make plays in the pocket. But you don't want him getting outside the pocket. So maybe if you're Michigan, maybe you have a spy or two. Or maybe just like, you know, we're going to not have a spy and just going to see how it goes. Michigan, good secondary. Will Johnson, Mike, Sandra Steele, Rod Moore. They can cover up these Alabama receivers. And they can dominate the lines of scrimmage like Texas did. So this one's going to be a really physical, low-scoring game. And even though, as far as my own personal bias, as far as these two games go, I kind of want Washington to win. Michigan, don't really care for them. Bama, y'all know. Texas, y'all also know. UT Jr. (laughs) But putting those aside... You give Bama this amount of time to study up and game plan. I'm taking the tide. I'm taking Alabama. Then we got the Sugar Bowl. Now, if you like scoring, this is going to be the game for you. (laughs) So watch this one. Texas is favored in this one, and there's a lot to like about Texas, how physical they are, and how much problems they gave Bama with how physical they were on both sides of the offensive, uh, on both sides of the line, offense and defense. But that secondary is suspect. It's not great against passing offenses with the pulse. And I think we all know Washington definitely has one with Michael Penix Jr. and his three playmakers with Roma Dunze, who's had 100 yards of four straight games, Jalen McMillan, who's back, Jalen Polk, who's had six 100-yard games this year. But the running game has really picked up, too. It's really helped out this Washington offense. Dylan Johnson's come alive here in the last few weeks. has given them another dimension with that offense. And you wonder, like, well, Washington's a finesse team going up against a physical team like Texas. Well, they went up against a physical team like Oregon twice, and they beat them. So that's going to help them prepare for this Texas team. And I'm excited to see how Texas is able to game plan for this offense. Up front, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, they're going to have their hands full stopping it. This offensive line is a good pass pro unit. So it's going to be tough to get to Michael Penix. And then this is a big one for Quint Ewers. See if he can make some plays against them with A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy. I think I like Washington in this one. I think I like the underdogs in this one. I think Alabama-Washington, I think that's what we're going to get. So I'm going to take Alabama and Washington in these two semifinal games, and I think that's going to be our national championship. And whatever happens with these two, either way, I think we're going to get two great games on New Year's Day, and we're going to get a great game, national title game, regardless of the outcome in these two games. So, everybody, that is it for this podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you all so much for tuning in throughout this year. Greatly appreciate you tuning in wherever and however you've tuned in. We got a lot of fun stuff coming up again for both Views and Entertainment next year. So you want to be locked in on that. Keep up with us wherever you guys get your podcasts. On YouTube at 5 Center 3 Podcasts. On X at 5 Center 3 Pods. 
But everybody, that is all I have for you for this week and for this year. So I'll talk to you all in 2024. Y'all have a safe holiday. Stay safe throughout the New Year festivities. And we'll talk to you all next week.